My name is Alex DeRosa, and I'm our Family Life Pastor, and I'm genuinely excited to be here with you today as we continue our series called Prepare the Way. For 13 years, I've been in full-time ministry, and I've had the pleasure of being a part of different Christmas series along the way, but I will tell you this, this has been my favorite one to speak in. I think maybe there's just something whenever you're planning Christmas series, like, okay, what new twist can we put on Christmas? And Christmas is always the same. It's amazing. But you're trying to think of different ways to to do it. And this one, Prepare the Way, got me so excited because we're not only talking about preparing the way for baby Jesus because baby Jesus already came and then he grew up and then he died on the cross and rose again and then returned to heaven. We are preparing the way for his return. And so we get to talk about that, and I'm excited about that. Pastor Chris started us off a couple weeks ago talking about how do we prepare our hearts. And when he was talking about preparing our hearts, he asked this very profound question, which was, how often do you think about Jesus' return? For me, as I heard that question, I thought, not enough. Not nearly enough. I don't think about it too often. But if we do, we'll stop focusing so much on the finite and we'll start thinking about the eternal and our lives will change. They can't help but change if we're thinking about the fact that Jesus can return at any moment and we have an important mission to tell people and get people ready for his return. The following week, Pastor Barry did a great job and was also very convicting talking about how do we prepare our homes talking about welcoming in this stranger and being hospitable. And for me and my wife, we got home, we immediately talked about how can we apply this right away. A couple months ago at our New Life students' yearly retreat called Rebloom, our speaker actually talked about this same thing. And I don't know if this has happened to you before, but there's sometimes where like I'm reading in God's Word and I read something and I go talk to a friend and they say the same thing. Then you go to church and hear a message. You're like, okay, God, I get it. And this is the same thing. It felt the same way. Like this message at Rebloom and then this message from Pastor Barry was all about hospitality and I needed to pay attention. At Rebloom, the, the pastor that was speaking shared about a website that I thought was cool and so I checked it out and I wanted to share it with you today. It's called blesseveryhome.com. And what happens when you go to blesseveryhome.com is you type in your address and then it populates with all your neighbors and their names. Well, their, their names according to who owns the property because it's public records that they take from. So if like they have kids, it won't show up because their kids don't need a sign for the house or whatever. And so it shows up and it's cool because like if you've ever been in that situation like me and you're like, okay, the neighbor four houses down, are they Brian or Ryan? It'll help you out. It'll give you like that extra clarity and that confidence. And then it'll, extra, it'll send you some prayer prompts too throughout the week. So blesseveryhome.com was pretty cool. I wanted to share that. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about preparing our communities. And in that message, he said that it was important for us to think of ourselves as citizens of heaven before anything else. Because ultimately, if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're going to be a citizen of heaven much longer than citizens of anything else. And that's what God calls us to do. And it starts to shift our thinking. And today, We're just going to continue broadening our scope. We talked about hearts, homes, communities, and now we're talking about how do we prepare the world? 
For after all, God loves the world. This is something that I knew a long time ago because John 3.16 talks about it. And even when I wasn't going to church, I heard that verse being talked about. Actually, I, fun fact, I heard about it during like professional wrestling. There's this guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin that had a shirt 316. I had to look it up and it was like, oh, that's a Bible verse. And that's probably neither here nor there. Maybe only Corey understands that, but that's fine. Uh, but it has this profound impact on our world, and that's why it's, it's such a popular thing. John 3.16 in the CSB, which is my favorite translation when it comes to this verse, says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You catch that? He loves the world in this way, that he sent his Son for you and me, to die on the cross, a painful death, so that he could rise from the dead, so that we could have eternal life. He loves us that deeply. And a couple weeks ago, I wanted to do a deep dive on what that word world really meant, as we're talking about prepare the world. So I looked in the original word in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament is written in, and the original word is cosmos. And this is the definition. I thought it was helpful. It says, people associated with the world system and estranged from God or people of the world. Sometimes it can become easy to think about, okay, God died for those that are Christians. But what he's saying is he's, he died for people that didn't know him yet, that were estranged from him. He died for people that were enemies of God so that if they just turned from their sins and focused on God and gave their hearts and their lives to God as Lord and Savior, they could have everlasting life in this relationship because God loved the world in this way. And it's cool because if I learned John 3.16 through a professional wrestler, I learned this news that was the good news for the whole earth from a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Now, I don't know if you've watched it before, but it is in the top three Christmas movies of all times. And I'm not saying my top three, the top three. You could have a different top three. That's fine. You can be wrong all you want. But the first one... Santa Claus, Tim Allen, awesome. And the second one, I'd say second place, is A Christmas Story with Charlie Brown. And then the third one is Elf. It's just so funny. And then the fourth one, if you wanted to add a fourth one, if it counts, Gremlins. And I know it doesn't count for everyone, but it is just it's very, very good. And so in the, uh, in the Christmas story with Charlie Brown, there's a character named Linus, and he's trying to tell his buddy, Charlie Brown, like, hey, Christmas is not about presents or having this great aluminum tree, or it's, it's not even about the food. It's about Jesus. And there's this cool moment where Linus drops. He has a security blanket that he always holds on to, and he drops it because his security is ultimately in Jesus. And then he speaks uh, the words from Luke chapter 2, what the angels talk to the shepherds about. And it's just so cool. Like, this kid, as if, like, he memorized the verses just for this moment. And he shares with Charlie Brown what the angels said. In Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 14, it reads, Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth 
to those with whom God is pleased. That last part, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased is where we get today's next, or not next step, or today's take-home point, which is the one point that this message is all about, this idea that God came for the whole world. Our take-home point is peace on earth is for the whole world. And thank goodness that this is true, because it was not only for Bethlehem where Jesus was born, not just for that region, but it's for us as well in Saxonburg, which we're not as far as you can get from Israel, but we're pretty far from Israel. So thank goodness that the, the word, the message of Jesus did not only stay where it is, that it was just like what the angel said, it was for the earth. It was what Jesus said about going into the earth. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples as he was about to return to heaven. He got his disciples together and he wanted to commission them out once he left to go start the ministry and spread this word. And he said, and it was recorded in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit saying, don't let this message stay here. It must go. After all, John 3.16 said, God loved the world in this way, so it can't only stay here. And this would have been uncomfortable for the disciples. You see, forever the disciples and the Jewish people would have known that they were God's people. I mean, the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, was considered God's own children. And forever, that's who they ministered to. And the people outside of the Jewish community were called the Gentiles. And that's not really who belonged with God's family. But Jesus was saying, no, no more of that. This is for the world and you must go. And it's a challenge that he gives us today as well. You must go. So the disciples would have heard this and they would have thought it's probably pretty challenging. One of the most pivotal parts of the New Testament, the early church, was when this guy, he was a Roman officer, he heard the words of God. His name is Cornelius. And so he's hearing from God. He sees this vision from God. And God speaks to him and said, hey, go get Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He said, go get Peter and bring him here. So he sends some of his servants. They get Peter. They come back. And Peter shows up. And Peter has a conversation at first with Cornelius. He's like, okay, Cornelius, you're a Gentile, I'm a Jew. Just so you know, we're not really supposed to associate together. We're not really supposed to, to work together. That's against Jewish law. And it's kind of crazy to hear that because Jesus literally just said, go into all the world, but he'll get it. He'll, he'll get it very soon. And so Cornelius then tells Peter the vision he saw, and this was Peter's response. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. He's saying for every nation, people who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior get to receive this peace and eternal life and this relationship with God. It's kind of like God looked at the world and saw it as like a high school. If you remember a high school, there's all these different cliques that are in there. Maybe you're in high school right now and you can, you can kind of picture them. There's like super smart kids and then there's the popular girls and there's the jocks and, and all the other categories that you might kind of break people into. And God was looking at it and was like, no more of that. There's going to be an event that happens and this event was Jesus and this Jesus coming and dying and rising again that's going to break all that down and I'm going to bring people together under one name, and that's the name of Jesus. 
Kind of like in the movie Breakfast Club, if you've ever seen that. There's like these five kids that are from different social groups, and they're forced together by an event, detention. And as they're in detention, that they get to know each other and realize that, hey, yeah, they're not so different. And then they have this weird, awkward dance scene together, which I just love. And it's like Emilio Estevez and Molly Ringwald and Judd Nelson and two other kids. And they're dancing like, like really weird together. And as they're doing it, they're like becoming this, this friend group of, of these, all these different sections. And it's kind of cool because as God is, is laying out his story, He's saying it's not only for the Jewish people, that's for you and me today. That's for the Gentile nations. It's for the people of the whole entire world. He's saying let's break apart everything that was before. And if you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can be a part of my family. I think it's just so amazing when we think about this call that Jesus had the disciples. People started to listen and people went. And in this little town of Saxonburg, we're able to worship God today in this church because someone listened to Jesus. You see, if someone didn't go as Jesus commanded, we wouldn't be here. So let's first rejoice. Let's rejoice in that fact. Let's celebrate the idea that people went from Jerusalem, they went from Bethlehem, they went from Israel, and they went throughout the world, and they told people about Jesus. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I went to Lancaster, and we got to experience Queen Esther in the Sight and Sound Theater, which was pretty cool, and it's just also cool to think about the story of Queen Esther being told thousands of miles away from when it happened, and Queen Esther was alive thousands and thousands of years ago. But the night before we went and saw Queen Esther, we were in a shopping plaza. And they were celebrating Christmas, which was pretty cool. They had, like, hot chocolate, and, and Santa was there. And, and they had this uh, contest. You had to go find Yummy, the gingerbread man who's, like, a stuffed animal. And, uh, and if you found him, you got a free cookie. And sure, it's like, okay, it's a 99-cent cookie. Is it worth it? Yes, it was worth it. And we found him. And it was great. And we got the cookie. And it was awesome. Peanut butter cookie, too, which is uh, my favorite. It's pretty great. And, and so we were, they were hanging out doing all these Christmassy things. And then we heard over the loudspeaker, a youth ministry was there to do the Christmas story. They're putting on a play of the nativity story of when Jesus was born. We thought, how cool. And this public place in the shopping mall that there was going to be these, these youth that were sharing about Jesus. So we're like, all right, let's go check it out. So we start walking. And as we're walking, we see this girl dressed as Mary. And she's frantic. And she's going around saying, someone stole Jesus. Someone stole Jesus. And I looked at Rachel and I was like, hey, you know, in the Bible, there's another Mary that went to the tomb and said the same thing. Someone stole Jesus. Should I go and tell her that? And Rachel's like, no, that won't help. And so I was like, all right, sure, sure. So we went and we just kind of waited. They eventually found Jesus because if you seek after him, you'll find him. And, and then... <laughs> And then finally, um, one of the angels uh, left the bathroom, and they were ready to start, and they did the play, and it was pretty cool. But it was cool to look back and see, like, wait a second, like, this story is being told. Like, this story about Jesus is being relayed a long way away from where it originated. You see, the story of Jesus continues to this day because it's true and because people have continued to answer the call to go. Oh, Okay. Just, uh, this is just a little me. I skipped something, and I'm going to go back. And I could have just flowed with it, but I want to share what I had the point earlier. So, my bad. Here's the other point. Jesus' story is still being told thousands of years and thousands of miles from where he was born. you got a little spoiler of what's coming ahead, but we'll get to that in a second. But it's so cool to think about this idea that Jesus' story is still being told, that we're still talking about it, that we can still relay it to our kids. 
that people are doing these plays about it. It's because people decided to go. And you think about it in our lives, we are only here right now because someone answered the call to go. We were only invited to church, maybe today, for the very first time, because someone invited you here, whether it's a neighbor or a grandmother or whoever. Maybe your first invitation to Jesus was a long time ago. Maybe it was to a youth group. Maybe it was your mother telling you about the Christmas story. Maybe someone led you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior at a retreat. Right now, what I would like us to do is just celebrate that fact and to praise God for whoever it was that answered that call and went. For me, in my life, I want to thank a couple people. The first one was my Aunt Denise, and the other one was my mom who invited us to go to VBS back in the day. And when I say invited, I mean they made us go because they were doing puppets, and we had to go and, and check it out. And then I'm just so thankful that my friend Ted Raffle on the school bus invited me to a youth ministry. And I'm so thankful, and I want to praise God for the fact that someone, I don't know his name, spoke at a retreat and gave an invitation to salvation and said the words that I needed to hear This idea that Jesus loved me no matter what I had done and he wants to be in this relationship with me and it was that last thing that I needed to hear to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what I'd like us to do is practically is to pray right now. I'm going to start us off in a prayer of of thanking God and then I'm going to give us a moment of silence, a moment for us to, to simply thank God for whoever it was that invited you to church here today or maybe introduce you to God whenever that was in your life. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for the people that you put in our lives that answered this call to go. And right now, hear us as we lift our praises to you for the people that introduced us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes when we we think of all these things, it seems almost harder to not believe in Jesus. When we think about his story and we think about how it's reached so many nations over the years. And we can look back and see how many different civilizations try to stomp out the message of God and they never succeeded. They always failed and they always failed because God is so powerful and God's message is true. And because he is bigger than all of that, his message prevailed because people answered that call to go. The story of Jesus continues to this day because it's true and because people have continued to answer the call to go. And that answering of the call to go started almost immediately after Jesus was born. Remember we talked about those shepherds who had heard from the angels? Well, after they heard from the angels, they acted upon it. And it's recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. And it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. What did the shepherds do? They told everyone. 
They saw Jesus and they were so amazed that they couldn't keep it in. So they went house by house and they were telling people, hey, just so you know, Jesus, the Messiah, has arrived. It's almost like whenever you see a great movie and you just got to tell someone about it. I just went and saw the new Spider-Man over the weekend twice and, and I loved it. So if you saw it as well, we can kind of talk about all the cool spoiler things. But when you see a good movie, you want to talk to someone about it or maybe when you first got a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you got to call your friends and tell them about it or text your friends. Or maybe it's when you became a parent for the first time. You, who did you call? You called your family members. You let them know right away. Was it a boy? Was it a girl? How, how much did they weigh? All that stuff you let them know. Maybe you became a grandparent for the first time and you saw your buddies the next day and you're like, hey, just so you know, I'm a grandparent. Or maybe for me, one of the things that happened was I went to my very first dance in middle school, which was so nerve-wracking. And I remember a cool friend of mine introduced me to someone and said, hey, why don't you two dance? And I remember we just did the awkward, like, oh, this is... So weird, but sure. And then as soon as the song was done, I ran away and I told all my friends, I went and danced with a girl. And they said, why didn't you stay there? And I said, oh yeah, that would have been good, but I was just so excited to tell you. Or it's like whenever my wife and I got engaged, we got engaged on a beach where I played a song on the guitar, pretty romantic. And, uh, and then we took a picture and then we got in the car and we called our family and friends. We wanted them to know the good news. And this good news about Jesus is much better news than all those other things. Those other things are great, but Jesus is greater. And so these shepherds knew that. They understood it, and so they went and told people. And Jesus commanded us to go and do likewise, to do the same and go tell people. Because what did the angels say? That this peace was for the earth, the whole world, if people are willing to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and we look at Peter, we look at Cornelius in their conversation about it's not only for the Jewish people, it's for the whole world if they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what do we do? How do we prepare the world? I think what we can do is we can prepare the world by going and praying. Two things, going and praying. We're going to break those into two sections and we're going to start by talking about going. And while we start talking about this, let's acknowledge what might be on some of our hearts right now. Going to tell people throughout the world about Jesus isn't comfortable or convenient. It'd be cool if it was, but it just isn't always. The cool thing is, it's always worth it. No matter where you go, no matter how challenging it is, bringing the good news of Jesus to people is always worth it. I've been blessed to be able to be on five different trips around the world. The second one I went to was the hardest. The second one was Haiti. And when I went to Haiti, the, the country had just been destroyed by this hurricane. And I showed up with a family I didn't know too well. We were staying in this little village. I had the pleasure of showering with a bucket of cold water and a ladle. It was difficult. I was away from my brand new girlfriend who would eventually be my wife. But at that time, we were only four months in. And I was so scared that being away from 10 days from her with like almost radio silence would convince her to wise up and to find someone that was better. I thought I'd come home and she'd be like, yeah, sorry. Um, and, and I went to this village, though. And all these thoughts were in my mind of like, why am I here? How can I actually help? I felt the enemy was attacking me that way. And I went to this village and we were able to share food with people whose houses were destroyed, medical supplies with people. And then I got the privilege of going to a church service and they asked me to speak. But before I spoke, I got to see and witness the worship that was happening. And it was incredible. 
Like these people who seemingly their lives were destroyed were praising God with this reckless abandon because they knew that, sure, the exterior stuff, that was destroyed. But the interior stuff, God, what he's done to their hearts was still alive and well, that God is still God over everything. And they were just worshiping him with this fervor that was so exciting to see. And it still gives me chills as I think about it because the faith that they had. And here's the thing. When we go somewhere... It is challenging, but we're answering God's call, and there's benefits that come from that, and some of them are these. You see, when we go, God builds your faith, grows your capacity, and reveals your gifts when you go. He builds your faith, grows your capacity, and reveals your gifts. When you go, God does some amazing things, and not only with the people you're working with, but in your life, in your heart as well. So if you're like me, whenever you were first introduced with this idea of going, you might have a couple questions. If you have a couple questions, I like to talk to you about them. And so I wrote them down, and if there's any questions that I did not discuss in these next couple minutes, I would encourage you to please come talk to me about them. But here are some ones that might cover what you're thinking about today. The first one is this, does God want me to go? Does God want me to go? You might be thinking, okay, Alex, well, you're a pastor, sure, you go. But does God really want me to go? A couple years ago, I was in Vietnam, and I met this man named Hubert Chan. And Hubert Chan said this, All are called to go, some are called to stay. And he takes that right from the Great Commission, right from what we read from Jesus earlier, where he told the disciples to go throughout the world, telling people about Jesus. We are all called to go. And sometimes what we just need to do is find out where God wants us to go. Because I'm not saying that you need to go and feel like obligated to go at every single mission opportunity you ever hear about. Now, if that's on your heart, surely listen to that. God will bless that. But I am saying to start praying about where God wants you specifically to go. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Cambodia. I, I was invited to go, and I thought it would be really exciting. I had some friends that were going. I thought it would be fun to, to help lead a kid's camp. But I went to my wife, and I asked her if we should go. And she reminded me that the, the date for us to leave was a couple weeks after the date where our first son was going to be born. And she said, no. Well, Okay, she said, sure, as long as you want to come home unmarried, that's fine. Um, but I know enough to know that was wife for no. And I prayed about it, and God was like, listen to your wife. And so I said, okay, so I won't go to that one. And the coolest thing happened, a few months later, an opportunity arose again. And this one was to go to Vietnam. And I'll tell you this, if I went to the first one, I couldn't go to the second one. And it was clear as day that God wanted me to go to Vietnam. And so my wife and I both said yes to it, and so I, I went over, and I went with Pastor Barry, which was incredible, and I came back, and my wife has told me since then that as challenging as it was for her to be with our, I think, six-month-old at the time, it was amazing because as I came back, she noticed that I was different immediately, that God did this amazing work in my life, and that it was worth it, and I believe that as well. You see, whenever we're thinking about going, all these other things can pop up in our mind as important. And there's a lot of things that scream, I'm important in our lives. However, if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's nothing more important than bringing people to know Jesus. There's nothing more important than that. Everything else might seem it, but there's nothing more important than telling someone about Jesus and having them accept him as their Lord and Savior and be changed for all eternity. 
So, does God want you to go? Yes, he's already commanded it. Second question is, isn't it expensive to go? And the answer for that one is also yes. When we were planning our mission trip for Myanmar with the New Life students a couple years ago, I went to Tony Weimer with Southeast Asia Prayer Center. He was leading our trip. And I said, Tony, isn't this going to be too expensive for students to go? And he said, it will be expensive, but not too expensive. He said he's never led a trip where someone didn't go because of financial needs. Never. God always provides. There's no issue with money that is too big for God. It's not even on his radar as an issue God will provide. So we told them that. We told the students, we told the leaders, hey, God is going to provide. If you want to go sign up and God's going to make a way. And he did. Everyone that signed up went. And some of it was because people got jobs. Some of it was because they sent out sponsor letters. Some of it was because money just randomly came in. People just said, hey, we heard that you're going on a trip. Someone might be able to use this money. And they did every single time. And you know when the money stopped coming in? When all the trips were paid for, it was just incredible that God moved on the hearts of people and they paid for people to go. So yes, it's expensive, but it's not a barrier that will stop you from going because God's bigger than that. Question three, what if I'm not able to help? Now, it's easy to to assume that a mission trip, that if you go somewhere, you're going to have to either preach in front of a church or you're going to have to build a house. I think those are like kind of the things that pop up in minds most often. And here's the thing. Generally, you're not doing either of those things. Sometimes you'll do one of those things. But here's, here's the biggest part of it. If your heart is willing to serve, God's going to prepare the rest. He's going to prepare you. He's going to prepare the work that you're going to do. And he's going to put you in a place to succeed if you have a heart that is willing to serve. On the way to Myanmar, we were on an escalator in, I think, South Korea in the airport. And I asked Tony, what, it was, like, what was the purpose of short-term missions. And he first started by saying that it's not to be saviors, it's to be servants. And then he said, the goal of short-term missions is to pray for God to move in the nation and to serve the local church. All success in ministry flows from the lifeblood of the local church. So we're called to pray and we're called to serve. And we can all do that. Sometimes it's going to look by feeding the hungry. Sometimes it's going to look by just building relationships with people. One of the most powerful things I saw in Myanmar was our team building relationships with 200 orphans that didn't speak the same language. And God made that barrier, that language barrier, just non-existent as people were just interacting and these kids got to see the love of Jesus. And that's something that all of us can do. So how can God use you in whatever way he wants to as long as we are willing The fourth question, how can I go when travel is almost impossible during a worldwide pandemic? Well, this one's kind of fair. However, things are opening up around the world. But I will say, as we're waiting to prepare groups to go, what we can do is pray. We can always pray. We can pray before we go, while we're there, when we come back. We can pray big, bold, God-sized prayers for him to go where we can't go because he always can. We pray for God to do amazing things so that people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we pray for God to work through missionaries and pastors throughout the world so that God can use them in mighty ways to bring people to his kingdom. And today what I'd like us to do is practically walk through some of that. Is to end our time reading some prayer requests from missionaries around the world and praying for them. I reached out to some friends of mine over this last week and I just said, here, send us your prayer requests. We want to serve you by praying. 
And before we do that, I just want to say that if you want to take notes, if you want to take pictures of the prayer request, if you want to check out our Facebook or Instagram afterwards and and see the, the slides there, you can do that. But I encourage you to not only pray with us now, but be praying throughout the week. After all, as Pastor Chris says, prayer is not a substitute for action. Prayer is an action in which there is no substitute. God answers prayers He is powerful. So let us look at these prayer requests now. The first one is from Pastor Jeff Wynn in Singapore. And Jeff says, pray for the leaders. Pray that the leaders will not measure success by the numbers they have, but the impact their people make on society. Jared Lenhart in Mandalay, Myanmar says, pray for God. Pray that God would raise up here true and loyal followers to his call to the unreached minorities of this country. Ones who will set aside Christian traditions and cultural traditions to be led by the Holy Spirit. Myanmar needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Tongue talking, devil stumping, apostolic teamwork. And apostolic teamwork meaning like what the apostles did. They went different places and they built up churches and they helped one another. He wants teamwork and we can provide that through prayer. Oscar Gobadia in Essex, United Kingdom says, Churches here are struggling to pick up post-pandemic. Many churches shut down. Others lost their buildings. Pastors are depressed because it seemed like there is an attack. Pray for our government, our queen, and policymakers that they implement policies that favor the propagation of the gospel. There are stabbings and gun crimes amongst young people. We want revival in our nation, and we want these young men to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Tony Barrera in Kyoto, Japan, said, There is much work to do and few workers to do it. On a personal note, please pray for my family, Kayoko, my wife, and our children, Ken, Anna, and Seiji. Some of our children are taking the scenic route in their walk with the Lord. As parents, we can only pray for and love on them. I got a message from Tony early this morning, which I don't know what time would have been for him in Japan. He said he was preparing to do a service, and then he talked about the service that he was going to do, and it was interpreting for a man that was sharing their testimony how he became a believer in Jesus Christ, and he previously was with the Japanese mafia, and he, he's completely changed his life. God's doing some amazing things for Tony and his ministry. Chung Nung in Yangon, Myanmar says, pray for church buildings. Hunter's soldiers have now destroyed, burnt down at least five churches, which one of them is ours. And thank Lang Township of Chin State alone, pray God will provide funds to build up in a better shape. Pray also the government will turn favorable eyes toward church buildings in the future as the military wars against ethnic minorities seeking religious freedom and other rights to equality. Hundreds of villages have been destroyed and thousands of people have been displaced and brutalized. Pray God may grant good government and peace may reveal soon in Myanmar. One of the most crazy things to me about these prayer requests is these men are so humble that they didn't even talk about what was going on in their own lives. I mean, Jared Lenhart's brother, who's in Mandalay, Myanmar, his brother is now in Thailand in a hospital because of seizures that, that he's experienced and they don't know what to do with it. So we can be praying for Jared's brother, Chris, as well. And then Chung Nung, he didn't mention this, but his house was just torn down by himself because the government reached out to him and said, hey, we want to build a road right where your house is, so if you don't tear down your own house in four days, we're going to throw you in jail. So he had to tear down his house, and now him and his wife and his kids need to raise money to build another house, and so we can be praying for them. And again, prayer is not something that we're doing because we can't go, and it's just kind of a substitute. 
Prayer is something that we do always because it has power. Because we're praying to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who can answer any prayer, can move mountains, can do miracles and miraculous things. And so that's what we're going to pray about for these five people and for their nations. We're going to pray for God to do big things. So right now, we're going to go to God in prayer. Then I want to encourage you to be praying throughout this week and beyond to see God do amazing things. And I'll update you on what God is doing because he's going to answer our prayers. So right now, why don't we pray? Dear God, I pray for Jeff and Oscar, for Jared and Tony and Chung Nung. God, I pray for them and their ministries that you use them in mighty ways to transform their countries for your kingdom and your glory. There are people in their nations who desperately need the peace that comes from you and from knowing you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you'll give them courage. pray that you'll give them the financial needs that they need. God, I pray that you'll provide a home for Chung Nung and his family. I pray that you'll heal Christopher, Jared's brother of these seizures, that miraculously you'll just take this problem away from him and bring him home so he can continue doing your work and good health, God. I pray that you'll bring Tony's kids to know you as Lord and Savior. God, work in their lives. Allow us to be a part of their their ministry by reminding us to continue praying for those around the world as you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we prepare for going. We prepare by praying. And then when we can go, we pray before we go. We pray while we're there and we pray when we return. And if we don't only want to talk about it, but we want to live it out, we can do that in this next step. I'll pray for God to move throughout the world and we'll answer his call to go. Again, we bring our prayers to the one who can answer anything, where anything is possible through God. And so we bring our prayers to the mighty King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you're in here today and you're saying, this sounds nice, but I don't have a relationship with this God. Well, today, I want that to change for you. I'd encourage you to make a commitment. And we say here in New Life, it says, it's as simple rather as ABC. A meaning admit. We admit that we're sinners and that we need a savior. That we need someone to rescue us from our sin and death. We believe. We believe in Jesus as Lord, meaning master and savior, as the one true God. And we confess our sins to Jesus as Lord and savior. And we commit our lives to him. Right now, some of you might be feeling how I do, and that is very convicted. As of this morning, the worst thing going on in my life is I have a cat who refuses to use her litter box. And you hear these prayers from these missionaries around the world. I mean, the one, his, his church has been burned to the ground and just the brutality that those people were facing. And here I am crying out to God about my tragic life for this, this cat that's driving me nuts. And it just really puts into perspective for us how good God is and that these people in these other countries that are just facing these atrocities, that despite that, they are still praising God and they are still joyful and that they know how good God is even when life isn't good. And the only reason why they are able to do that is because they have such a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He alone is their hope. They know that all of the things in this life are temporary and all of this can be taken away. But the one thing that no person, no government, nothing can take away from them is Jesus.
And if you don't have that saving faith in Jesus Christ, today is the day. Don't wait until everything around you is being torn down. Today is the day of salvation. Please pray this with me. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and I admit that I need a savior in my life. I need to be saved from myself. And I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on that cross for my sins. And I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and that I commit my life, I commit my spirit, I commit everything to him and I will allow the Holy Spirit to just rule and reign in my life. And I just thank you, God. I thank you that no matter what is going on in my life or on in the world, that you are always in control. You are always on the throne and that you are on the throne in my life, Lord. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.